Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of Maker That Money, the podcast conversation where two makers uh, talk about taking your passion project to the next level. Uh, I am Pooch of Repcord, uh, just to go old old with it. Uh, you can find us <laughs> at uh, Repcord on all the things. And with me, my trusty sidekick here, Andrew. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Pooch. How are you? I'm great. How are things at the Empire of Sticky this week? Oh, it's been a hectic week. We got Murph coming up, so, you know, oh, just exciting. doing tons of planning. <laughs> and uh, as our special guest today, very excited to welcome uh, Stefan Her Is it Herman? How now, am I saying it right? Her Herman? Hey, yeah, yeah. That's Her Herman. Hellman. Herman. Yeah. Okay. Hellman. Right. Stefan Hellman. Would uh, be like the German pronunciation. My German accent <laughs> is German's terrible. a bit rusty. And, uh, <laughs> or non-existent. But uh, you may know him. No, no worries. No worries. You may know him uh, from the uh, famous YouTube channel now, CNC Kitchen, uh, where he does a lot of uh, uh, featuring, obviously, uh, 3D printing stuff, but obviously uh, other maker uh hobbies as well, CNC and uh, all kinds of stuff. And and very well known for his technical prowess and his attention to detail. Uh, I always love watching your content, uh, Stefan, because you put in obviously so much work in in scripting it out ahead of time and in your preparation. And I know that is not an easy thing. So welcome, welcome to the show. Uh, we're delighted to have Thank you. Thank you very much for the introduction. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope that does it some so, some degree of justice. <laughs> yeah, for for me it's rather good night because it's already like six p.m. at night. So good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> or, uh, good evening. Good evening. Yeah, uh, step. Yeah, we time zones. Time zones are hard. We're, we're just getting our day started, and uh, uh, Stefan's already rounded out his week. <laughs> uh, so. So hopefully ours ends as as, as well. But I, uh, I we appreciate having you, given that it's a Friday night, and I'm sure you've got all these amazing Friday night plans that you must be missing out on as a result of uh, having to be here with us. So thank you for that. Friday night is pizza night for me, so Ooh, pizza's uh, going to be delayed for a little bit. Now is 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 cooking one of your many skills as well? Do you do like do you enjoy cooking and uh, food preparation? Well. This, of course, is the reason why it's called CNC Kitchen, because like the first idea for the channel was <laughs> doing engineering, like cooking on the channel, talking about like <laughs> protein denaturation and, and things like that, because I really enjoy cooking. I love I love eating, even though I don't really look like that, maybe. But yes, I, I cook a lot or we cook a lot at home and um, I like cooking as well as eating. So yeah it it did not really there were there wasn't enough time for the cooking content on the channel there have been uh some sous vide cooking on the prusa during live streams a bunch of times but ah, not that much more <laughs> so there's the first answer for everybody that's where the kitchen actually uh comes from so in cnc kitchen and i, I suppose over time yeah. you you would follow the analytics and say well maybe the cooking content hasn't done as well as some of the 3d printing or other types of thing and it's nice to have that uh as a tool to there is actually yeah <laughs> there is actually a second a second channel called yeah scenes kitchen 2 where there is a video about like a vegetarian bolognese uh, sauce. 
but oh, no. this was basically the only video. Now, do you wear a I, nice? I made right in the beginning, and then I noticed yeah, <laughs> chef's make... hat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you wear a chef's hat in the uh, on the second? No, trip? I don't. Oh, oh, there's opportunity there. No, I actually don't because I think for the first year or so, I didn't show myself on the video because I I never feel really really comfortable standing in front of the camera. So. Yeah, that changed at some point. <laughs> Still feel a bit uncomfortable, but it's got to be all right. It doesn't show, and and I that you know that that dovetails in nicely with you know just for you know the first thing I want to talk about is obviously as a content creator and English not being your first language, you you have a phenomenal challenge, obviously, in uh, um, you know creating content that that is tailored to an English speaking audience and stuff like that. And so I can only imagine how much work that is for you to to go through. Well, tell us about what, what your process has been and how you've become more comfortable with that over time. So, well, the process is usually I, I do a bunch of stuff. I try to record as much as possible, write down a couple of notes and, and when everything is done, yeah, just scripting it down and trying to get it into a format where it has a bit of like structure in the end. So, it is easier for me for me to convey the idea and also the the results of the analysis I did or the project that I did, um, because I always because I always want viewers to like finish a video and be at least a bit entertained in in some way, but also to have learned something. This is this is basically my goal for every video, and I'm trying to make that as good as possible. I'm. Not a really great writer. I have always been one of the worst English students in school. But I started watching sitcoms, American sitcoms, after after I did my 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 A levels, and that tremendously helped me. <laughs> American Dad, Family Guy, and stuff nice. like that. <laughs> that's 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 awesome, man. And I, I gotta say, like I said, it it really shows how much work you do toward preparation. I think there's it's enviable by a lot of content creators here that that you actually put a lot of your prep work and I, and I love how your videos are very they're so well curated because I know you spend that time doing the scripting ahead of time and uh, you you tr you tr you typically voice over everything right so you're not shooting yourself the same way in front of the camera that a lot of people do and that, I think that creates a completely different kind of content it it definitely does um my problem is that I usually start rambling quite fast. Maybe you have already noticed. And <laughs> having a script makes sure that I keep the rambling as as little as possible and, and trying to get to the point as, as quick as possible. And as I said, so in the beginning it started, I wasn't really comfortable doing just everything right out of my chest. And so, yeah, writing a script was the, the, the obvious way to go. Actually, I think my first video that I ever did was unscripted. But after that, I, I started writing a script and doing the voiceover. And I actually envy those channels that don't need to do the scripting and can just stand in front of a camera and, and, and talk everything directly without doing all of the preparation work. Yeah. It's a, it's a different, it's a different feel for sure. Um, but I, I think you've created a good point of distinction, you know, for yourself as, as, and it, and it works so well with your content because 
you get very technical with what you do and it's really right. hard with technical information i mm-hmm. think to to shoot shoot from the hip as we say uh, oh, another american it's almost impossible hip. right yeah <laughs> there's <laughs> yeah cuz some you... some do have the gift to do that but i i don't so it's basically the only way i can do it but i don't know maybe in the future i i try different formats and then see how that how that works out for me but i think for the moment it's just the best thing especially not being like a native speaker mm-hmm. so uh, we love to talk about business on this on this mm-hmm. particular uh, uh podcast uh you know specifically people who got their starts as makers and and uh so we, we've talked to a lot of people that that um you know typically start with like a product that they're trying to sell or develop and stuff like that Obviously, as a content creator, still very much a business, very different type of business, right? Because your product is your videos and, and you, you're using a medium that is predominantly the expectation is that that, that, that content is free. Uh, so obviously, the uh, better performing your video is, the better the monetization will do. And so it creates a completely different business model for you. Could mm. you talk for a minute about what it's like... Um, you know, trying to be true to what you want to say, but also being mindful of that this is how you make your living and you need to be able to earn money with what you do. It's it's a tough decision, especially if you're thinking about affiliate sales and, and things like that. I had the advantage right from the start that I did this like on the side. So I wasn't really depending on the money that came in from like videos or affiliate sales. And that definitely helps to build trust in the community. Uh, But as soon as you're getting to the point where this is your only source of income, you need to way more think about how you formulate stuff that it's still Mm. that you can still transfer the message the right way and not be a shill in the end (laughs) Uh, but it it is hard to to find a way between (laughs) (laughs) that term shill keeps coming up these days doesn't it yep (laughs) Uh, sorry you were saying it's very hard to find that balance uh sometimes it find if it's really hard to find that balance sometimes um but i think that is the task that we need to master as content creators because otherwise we well we are u- losing our trust from the community um, and i'm trying to do my best but it's not always easy no and you you're not given a lot of grace uh as a as a content creator a lot of time because obviously you're you know your audience is the internet and while there are plenty of great actors there's also just terrible people out there that have nothing better to do than you know troll and and do stuff and then and it's hard uh as 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 a content creator somebody that that puts a lot of work into creating this stuff to mm-hmm. see that negative feedback and to not internalize that in a way that's a very human you know thing the same way that you yeah. know Andrew and I have a hard time taking criticism sometimes maybe on on uh, you know, the expectation of somebody who bought a product and was disappointed by it, right? Um, no. You have the downside of having a much more direct path. Like people have, the, mm-hmm. there's literally the comments, you know, that are right yeah. on the video. So you have like immediate, unfiltered, raw feedback uh, for better no. or worse, you know? No. What, what does I, that feel like to you? 
it is hard because like if you're having a hundred very positive comments, just one negative one can, can really bring you down. But I'm in the fortunate position that the amount of negative feedback that I'm usually getting is, is very, very minimal. Still, there is the one or the other video where you get that negative feedback and, and sometimes it hits you right at the point where you think, okay, did I really do something wrong? Wasn't that okay? Uh, mm. Did I really mess up somehow? Sure. Um, if somebody tells me that my hair looks shit or my, <laughs> I don't know, my, my German <laughs> accent is horrible, I don't really care. It's for me, the yeah. negative feedback that, that really pulls me down is from somebody who criticized the work where I put really a ton of, yeah, a ton of hours in. in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, I'm, I'm in a fortunate position that this is very minimal. That, I mean, I'm glad that, to hear that. And hopefully that's because of, you know, obviously the, the, the quality of content that you're actually mm -hmm. putting in it. I think it's very clear to anybody that's seen any of your content on there that, that there's a lot of hours that go into this. So, yeah. you know, but I, you're always going to have bad actors out there. We've talked about this before, Andrew. I know, you know, we've had this discussion yeah. um, about coming up with strategies because it's as much as we can talk a good game. How do you insulate yourself, you know, mm -hmm. from it? How do you, how do you let, you mentioned like if somebody's personally criticizing you, obviously you ignore it because there's obviously nothing you can do about it. It's, there's, mm -hmm. it's, it's just meant to be hurtful. That That's not a positive feedback, but as a, as a creator, you know, you look at the stuff and when somebody's criticizing the content and something that you've worked on mm -hmm. and, and it's making you second guess potentially, like, did I do something wrong or how could I have done that better? Um, you know, do you, do you have any strategies, one, for for disconnecting yourself a little bit? Uh, like, do you make a point of not reading the comments for a while or any of that? What, how do yeah, you do you have like a timeout limit or? <laughs> so uh, to be totally honest, I stopped like reading comments every day just because for once it takes a ton of time, especially if you want to respond to all of them. Sure. But on the other hand, this increases the risk of, of finding one of those bad ones that really pull you down. The way that I usually do it mm -hmm. when I release a video the first like like two or three days after that, I'm, I'm really regularly checking comments because I also want to make sure that my that the content that I made was interesting and I want to get uh, just involved with the people mm -hmm. that, that also write comments there. But after that, I, I started to not continue reading the comments anymore. And uh, on, on the one hand, it hurts because people are spending their time and, and sometimes writing really interesting and insightful information um, in the YouTube comments. But as I said, there's just one under uh, under 100 who, who like, well, which really pulls you down. Mm. So staying away from it, a little bit still, I, I think it would be the wrong thing to not read them, that I'm, uh, to not read them at all, because it is good for me to reflect on my content. And sometimes if there's a negative comment on a video, it is worth thinking about if that is legitimate or not, but yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Sure. Sure. No, I can, I can appreciate <laughs> that. Um, I, from a, from, you know, 
a business side of it or looking at, at your product, the video, uh, you know, yeah. you, you probably study your analytics and, and stuff and, and I would assume do a lot of reading around what's effective in terms of all the little ancillary things like thumbnail generation and whatnot. Does, uh, have you seen any feedback for other content creators out there that suggest that um, uh, the comment engagement will help the performance of the video like if you're getting a lot of commentary and you're responding and you're encouraging that obviously you hear people say leave me a comment all the time but how mm -hmm. much is that actually helping get your video promoted more or i think know? it's not helping that much anymore as, as it did in the past of course engagement to videos is is important and it helps you bond with the community mm -hmm. but i think if you really taking a look at how effective it is in the end there are different things that you should be focusing way more mm. on and it's i think it's still or it is now a bit of an urban myth that a lot of comments on a video will also get it get it recommended to others way more um there should be a certain amount of engagement but in the end, I, th I think it's not that important anymore as it used to be in the past. Interesting. Because they're having different metrics right now. So you, you may, I mean, maybe you can elaborate on some of that. You mentioned there's more important stuff. What, what advice do you have for other content creators out there that are watching or listening right now that you would, you would recommend they well, focus on? Well, of course, thumbnail and uh, uh title are the most important things um everyone should spend a ton of time off um i sometimes also neglect it a little because it usually comes right at the end when i need to release a video and that's usually like an hour before it really goes live yeah but having a good thumbnail and title is so it's way more important than the content that you're having that, that you're like producing in the video. Of, of course, in the that's end, that's so also still important. It, it unfortunately is. And that leads to like clickbaity titles and, and thumbnails, of course. Yeah. Um, gaming the system. Gaming the system. And you, there's, there's also a really fine line between being like totally clickbaity and, um, like some others formulated legitimate baiting, just people in, in watching your video, make them interesting uh, make them interested in what you did. And then of course, just like keep them watching your video, try to not ramble too much. Mm. Um, keep it interesting, uh, because if viewers are going to the next video the view time that you're getting is is less and this is one of the very important factors for the like the youtube algorithm mm -hmm. in recommending stuff mm -hmm. to um to other uh, to other potential viewers so but, view, yeah, view thumb, time view time is view the time. critical comp component and obviously bringing them in with a good title and a good mm -hmm. thumbnail is a big contributor to a lot of that. Yeah. 
It's yeah. interesting because that seems backwards from or or yeah it, right because you're like it's yeah the, I look at it as like uh, to to draw an analogy to our 3D printing world you know I I think that somebody that's new to the space might look at the title and the thumbnails uh, thumbnails like the spool holder of the whole thing where it's just like well who cares you know just throw it on a peg and you can print mm-hmm. from it right and it, it's not a big deal but the truth is it's like. It's a fundamental component of what you yeah. do, and, and maybe that's not the best analogy, but you know what I mean. Like it doesn't get the thought uh, because you're so fixated on creating this great content, mm-hmm. and 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 a lot of times people get hung up on the wrong stuff. Like I really want to make sure that my, you know, might have the best camera out there, and uh, uh, they get focused on the equipment and the technical and the production value over mm-hmm. the actual content, right? And so there's probably mm-hmm. it's probably good to have both, but. You know, the saying content is king and and the amount of work you put into doing your script and all that versus like how much time you're spending messing with your lighting and your audio, I imagine, is uh, quite substantial. It, it, it's it's not that important. Um, it's not that important. And this is a good thing because that enables anyone who has a phone to, to create content for YouTube. Um, the important thing is, since there are so many creators right now, that you find your niche mm-hmm. because if you're getting into a market where there are hundreds and thousands of other creators, if you mm-hmm. don't have anything unique to yourself or to the content that you're making or to the person that you you are, um, you will not get recognized anymore and you will not, you, they, you will have a hard time to grow. And I guess this was also the, one of the reasons why I was in the fortunate position that my channel grew way faster than I expected because I found my niche in technical 3D printing videos in my material tests and just the way that I did it because yeah, did. nobody was really serving that market yet. No, it, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it requires a completely, I don't want to say completely different skill set, but you know, I look at something that say like... Um, uh, like like a uh, like a Joel Telling, the three D printing nerd, does well, or or um, you know makes and breaks, or Angus, and uh, where where there's mm-hmm. a little bit more of a personal, uh, uh, not that you don't have a personality, but they're, they're more of a cheerleader for the whole you know mm-hmm. thing, but they, mm-hmm. they don't go as as deep. And I, I think there's a there's an interesting blend between you guys because I think of somebody like Maker's Muse where he's got a good combination of the two. You know, jo- Joel may be more like uh, top level, but really exciting tech and you know, this, and then, mm. and then you've got kind of in the middle and then, and then you fit, fit that niche, I think really well on the technical side, uh, mm. uh, in a way that is still engaging is still high quality, uh, very easy to follow. Um, not a lot of rambling, all that stuff. And it's, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. and I know you're your own worst critic, but I, I really do mean that <laughs> I, I very much enjoy watching your content and I, and I look at it uh, as a completely different type of content that I'm digesting. I, I love all of it, but uh, for different reasons. I don't know. What Thank do you, th- you very much. What do you think, Andrew? I mean, what's... Uh... I mean, yeah. I, I Every time, you know, a new video comes out from CNC Kitchen, I've I've always got it up. I've I've always got it watching while we're here working. Um, you know, the, the content is... It's phenomenal on the technical side. Um, and, and that's actually some of the things that I wanted to ask about is, is uh, you have a, you know, a technical background, right? Uh, engineering background of some sort. Um, can you speak to you know, why you were kind of drawn to you know, this area of the technical 3D printing? So 
I used to be, or basically I still am a structural analysis, uh, analysis engineer, uh, in aerospace. Uh, now I'm doing a lot of research in metal additive manufacturing, but at the time when I started doing YouTube, I did like stress and strength analysis on aircraft landing gear. Awesome. So I, wow. I was working a lot with material data and finite element analysis and things like that. And then, then I got into 3d printing and I, I saw the opportunity that you can make parts really easy now, but I, with my background, I wanted to know how strong are they? And th there wasn't really any content or proper data sheets around that told me how strong is a material, how strong is the layer adhesion, how should you print mm. something? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was basically the reason why I thought, okay, yeah, let's just do that myself. And I built myself a universal testing machine. And then I thought, yeah, maybe there are some other guys okay. around who might be interested in that stuff. And now I have like 400,000 subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know many that's people that will just, just build a UTM machine of their own like that. I love that. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, really quick, we've got, uh, you've got a number of kudos going on in the chat right now. Uh, people loving your content. They drop everything to watch it as soon as they get the notification that it's out. Uh, there was a question from uh, Stephen McCullough uh, really quick that I, I, would, I would love to hear your thoughts on. Uh, and for anybody that's listening back after the fact, we record this live on YouTube uh, every Friday at 9 a.m. So uh, feel free uh, to join us sometime if you want to get questions out to us or the, our guests. That's a great way to do it. Uh, we also have our little call-in uh, link up here for anybody brave enough to uh, hop on the, the hotline with us and ask your question in person. Uh, you're welcome to do that uh, as well. Operators are standing by. <laughs> really quickly, though, uh, sorry to go back to Stephen's question uh, for for Stefan here. Uh, do you think it's worth changing tiles, uh, titles, or thumbnails after uploading when videos aren't performing well? We seem to see a lot of that this day and age. Have you tried that? Have you watched your analytics? Does it work? Yes, it is. I I think it's very important because you usually have a feeling how good a video should perform. And if it is underperforming, it is worth the effort of changing the thumbnail, changing the title. Mm. And I usually prepare like two to three thumbnails before a video goes live that I do have the opportunity, especially in the first one or two or three hours to change it out. And just to see how like the, the click-through rate is changing, um, how the views are changing and things like that. And from time to time that's really saving my my videos hmm. it's unfortunate that you need to do that because it doesn't change anything on the content but, mm -hmm. it, but it obviously matters it, it definitely matters and it decreases the likelihood of of somebody to uh, click on your video and start watching it so well, and, and go ahead andrew it, well and it's also really interesting too because it's it's so with the the content you know being your product it's so innately tied to y y the performance right so if your performance your video is underperforming technically and on the business sense right you're making less money um and that's kind of a, you know the the important thing of how do you balance money so it's just it, mm -hmm. it's it's really interesting um you know it, to think of it in that way so have you come to expect that just for every video you're going to have to do a change? Cause what I want to know is, is it actually the title and the, the thumbnail that you're changing to that's actually increasing the performance or is it just the fact that you're refreshing it 
that seems to make the algorithm better? Like, have you ever changed either of those things and seen it done worse? Because I don't see anybody sharing that if that happens. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, that 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 definitely happens as well. Um, so I don't think it's it's just purely the reason that you're mm. changing it to something different. Um, you're usually changing it to something where you hope that you get more of yeah click through rate or or okay. just like people interested in your in your topic. So it is not only the fact that you're changing something; it is the fact that you're changing something to hopefully more clickable. Sure. And, and if it doesn't work, will you go back to the original or do you try a third? Like there has to be a limit to how much mm. you want to be messing with that. <laughs> so maybe usually I try a third, but if, if that's not changing anything, I either stay with the one that performed best or go back to the first one or something like that. And there's also the possibility. So what I sometimes use is, is TubeBuddy where uh, you do an A-B testing or an automated A-B testing. Mm. That's usually after the second or third day where their service is changing your thumbnail every day. And after 10 days, they're telling you, okay, you get mm. like 2% click-through rate with the first th thumbnail and title and 3% with the other one. Um, for the future or for the rest of this video still being online, uh, maybe use the other one because even though you're not getting the amount of views anymore that you're usually getting within the first like one or two days or the first week, in the long run, it still might affect how many views you are getting. And for that also, like the amount of ad revenue you, you that are that you are making, and sometimes it it even leads to the point where a video that wasn't performing that well takes oh, up wow. again, yeah. which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's well. So that that's a, that brings up another question: is with your content, I, I would assume that some there's some nature essentially of it being kind of evergreen, if you will, uh, where if someone's looking for an issue or that they you know are are wanting to learn about the material, do you see a lot of mm. people coming in later um, or watching mm. your older videos? Yeah, definitely, but. So there are a ton of evergreen videos, but the amount of views these videos are getting is mostly a bit negligible to your to your more or less like like viral videos. So I have oh. like two videos on filament making, um, one that is already four years old or, or even older. It's still like pulling in a thousand or two thousand views every day, and I'm completely oh, wow. sure um those who are watching that video don't have anything to do with 3d printing or, or something in that direction it's just a video that the youtube algorithm likes uh but yes uh. definitely evergreen videos are good and they are important especially during the times for example right now we have been moving to a new studio and didn't make uh, uh, so much content it still gives you some baseline views to keep uh, the ad mm. revenue from YouTube at a level where you can say, okay, this is enough to pay the bills. That's a, that's <laughs> yeah. a really interesting way to put it. I'm, I'm looking at the correlation between like a product-based company and, mm -hmm. and this content-based one. And when you talk about evergreen videos, those are like, those are like your flagship product, right? Those are like your cash mm -hmm. cow. You know, maybe it's not um, uh, a huge seller, but f you know, a fad-based thing, like something like that. So mm -hmm. when you're planning out your content, are you thinking about... I need to maybe 
try to tailor something that's more that way? Or is it, does it just kind of work out that way over time as you've just featured something that you're excited about? So I try to only work on things where I'm excited about, because if I'm not excited about something, I will not produce good content. Sure. But especially since I started working with, with more and more sponsors, for different sponsors, sponsor deals, they're expecting a different number of views. So mm-hmm. interesting. I don't know. For uh, uh, some of the sponsors, they say, okay, they want at least 150,000 views on a video within the first 30 days. <laughs> so, of course, I'm in advance thinking about a topic where I think I will reach that amount of views because I, I know that I, if I'm, for example, just doing a review of a product, that will not get that amount of views. Mm. Uh, so, of course, I need to plan a bit in advance. Of course, it's affecting the content that I make. But in the end, for me, it needs to be a business decision because that stuff right here now, well, starts paying my bills and paying pays the rent in here and the lights and everything. So I need to work on the things that get me a certain amount of views still but I still try to stay true to uh, what I usually do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, if it's not something you're excited about, like that comes through in the video to some extent too. the energy that you bring to it yeah. and stuff like that. That's a, that's an interesting point. Um, on, I want you to stay, if you, if you don't mind for a second, uh, because like I said, I, I think there's a lot of people that are into content creation that are, that are listening mm-hmm. and watching right now. And, and, um, we're getting a lot of commentary. Uh, I did a lot of AB testing back in my web developer days in terms of like looking at stuff that would work, uh, on websites, like homepages mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's a phenomenal tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that there are these automated systems that you talk about, uh, it sounds like you have one that you've tried or you, I don't know if you use it regularly but but you know leveraging these tool sets to to really try to capitalize as much as you can uh not leaving money on the table for your content out there sounds important are there other tools uh that you found that 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 help that process along in terms of of feature because i know there's a lot of companies that want you to let uh, oh we'll we'll help market and we'll do all this but mm-hmm. but what's really moving the needle in terms of bringing in you know more views for your for your content you think I think it's it's partly talking to other content creators and just sharing ideas and techniques that that work for them and trying to okay. apply them on your own process. Um, of course, you can work with with other companies and they might help you um, find the right content that you need to work on. Maybe create you more beautiful thumbnails and things like that. Of course, that is helping out, but in the end, you need you need to understand the system yourself. Otherwise you either fail or you need to hire somebody who does exactly that. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. We, we talk about that a lot too, you know, how, Mm -hmm. how, uh, and as you grow, Stefan, I mean, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more, uh, obviously the amount of time you have to do everything and thinking about like, you know, who is it that, as you grow, you would you would look to bring on first. Is it an editor? Is mm. it a producer? Is it a back office mm. ad- admin person? What do you think? Um, so I'm now right at the point because before I just worked from home and I couldn't hire anyone. Uh, I 
did not want to have anyone in my kitchen uh, uh, other than like my family. CNC, get out of so, my kitchen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> different. So I'm I'm really currently in the process of thinking about in which person should I invest in that gives me the most return on investment. And of course, it's it's editing because. I'm okay at editing, but it takes me a ton of time. I'm not effective and I'm not always that happy to do it uh, sure. or to do, but just the, the process, how I work, I, I think currently it's really hard to get somebody in there who does um, the editing for me. I, I tried that a couple of times. It worked out okay, but it didn't save me that amount of time I was really hoping for. But of course, I want to try something like that out. And um, on the other hand, I'm thinking about hiring maybe a writer or something in that direction. Somebody who just um, finds a topic, does research, um, does the writing, um, somebody who with whom I can also discuss about things because this is something I'm really lacking in here. You you're always working on your project by yourself. Yeah. You don't get a lot of input from 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 different directions. And that results in the end that maybe your final product is not as good as as it could be. And maybe you're sometimes just just missing things. And mm -hmm. I guess an editor could for once help me uh during that process and of course create more content so that i don't only like produce one video every two weeks but maybe a video every week and of course another thing for me uh, I'm, i'm really wanting to get into is just the videos that i already make in english um do another voice over in german and and publish them on a german Ooh. channel because yeah um That is a ton of wasted potential, but currently I just don't have the capacity to do it. Sure. Well, you know, and I'm wondering if that might be something where automation might be able to help. Have you looked into any of the, the services out there or even something like a mechanical Turk where you can actually hire or Fiverr or anything so like somebody to mm. just do that transcript or do that, mm. you know, dub over. Do you think that would perform? I mean, obviously the bulk of the production's already done, so it seems like mm. it could be low hanging fruit, but I don't know. I think in the end, the possibility would be for me to just do the translation. That's usually for a script, like two hours of work, then another hour of of doing um, another voiceover. And then just giving that voiceover to an editor who takes the English version of a video, puts the German uh, voiceover under there and just aligns a couple of things that it it goes in line with, with what I'm talking about and then just re-uploading it to a German channel. How do you think that that would do? Because I've seen there's uh, I've seen a couple different German channels. Obviously, you work with Tom mm. Sadlander on your podcast. We'll talk mm. about that in a second. But but um, what I've heard just anecdotally after asking that question for a while is that it doesn't uh, it you're still going to get way more bang for your buck producing for the English uh, uh, audience, uh, English speaking yeah. audience. Of course, it definitely will because for once the the ad revenue in Germany is horrible. It's like oh. half or a third of the 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 American ad revenue, for example. Um, oh wow! 
of course, there are a ton of German viewers already, but there's still a lot of viewers here in Germany who just don't like to watch English content. Um, even though I'm always having mm -hmm. like the closed captions under my video and things like that, they just not, not, not comfortable watching that. And I think this would be a reason to also get them into the boat. But for me, one of the most important thing is, uh, things is, and we might be getting into that, that topic later, we started selling products and for us it's really easy mm -hmm. to ship to germans but my main viewers are currently in the us so currently we are shipping more than 50 percent of our products over to the us which is okay but it's a pain um yeah. and i would really like to sell way more in germany and it's also establish my brand here way way better so you're jumping ahead on my my script a bit, mm -hmm. but that's totally fine because I, I'm very excited. Part of the reason, guys, that I brought, I brought Stefan in here, one, he obviously offers a completely unique perspective, not only as a content creator, but as a, you know, foreign national to like our audience. So it's, it's fascinating to me, uh, you know, what business rules, you know, may translate over in terms of, you know, your culture and stuff like that. Um, but, but obviously uh, a product-based company uh, and a content-based mm -hmm. company are two completely different things. And I bet you've just, I don't know how you're not completely overwhelmed by all of it. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, there's so much to manage and they're very different paths that you take oftentimes. I would not have started selling products if it wasn't for like a business partner that told me, okay, um, you're stupid. You need to sell stuff under your brand because I, I told him <laughs> a bunch of times that, for example, I have millions of views on, on threaded inserts videos. And of course I have affiliate links under those videos and I know how much of these products or how much products I help to, 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 to sell. Yeah. And yeah. in the end, of course, yes, mm -hmm. you're making your three to 6% um, uh, affiliate revenue on that product. But if you would sell that yourself, you're, you would earn way more. Oh, absolutely. So mm -hmm. that was the point where we said, okay, let's, let's take a look at that. Let's try to find a supplier who can supply these parts in, in a good quality for us and just sell them under our own brand. Because I sometimes feel as if I'm the Mr. Th heat set inserts for 3d prints and it would be <laughs> stupid if i wouldn't sell threaded inserts so i mean it's fantastic and i and i i've i've had this conversation with other content creators too is that as you get big enough to have an established brand it, it makes a ton of sense and in a lot of ways you're just lining other people affiliate links are just so silly you know what you're getting paid as compared to what you would mm. be making and for a lot of these products like Reddit inserts and stuff like that. Like you can absolutely find a supplier and you can start now, obviously there's other, I, that's an, a gross oversimplification. You, you may think, mm -hmm. Oh, it's just as easy as like, I'll just get them. I'll put them in a bunch of bins and then we'll just ship them out. But then you quickly realize, you know, the, the mechanics of having machinery to either count out and bag at a specific number or having to sit down mm -hmm. and weigh and do all that. Like there's a lot of time and effort that goes into, you know, putting a hundred of something or a thousand of something together mm -hmm. for somebody. Um, yeah. So what did it feel like when you first got started? I, I would agree with your partner and that like, Hey man, you're leaving some money on the table. There's a really big opportunity here. Uh, but what did you learn when you first started doing it? Did it feel worth it? Did it feel painful? If it, if it 
so to be totally honest i haven't seen any money yet <laughs> because all, <laughs> yeah, all, the, right. all the money we well all the money we earned so far we directly had to put into uh, into ordering new products because we have been we have been sold out like all of the times right uh within within like a couple of weeks um the good thing is that i'm currently not relying on that money and it helps us to like establish the business and at some point our working capital some of that will also flow into my pockets in the beginning it was feeling i i wasn't 100 sure how I, how i should feel about that uh because especially if i would for example in the future do more videos on on threaded inserts would i be would they be purely so that i can sell more how can i Ooh. still add value for my viewers and not give them the impression that i only want to sell something this was really hard and i'm i'm still trying to figure out how we will do that in the future but so i think this is something uh, we just have to figure out yeah, that's a that's an interesting uh, conundrum to have, uh, and I think it all comes down to the way you frame it, right? And so if it's if it's presented in a way where it's like, hey, look, this is another way you can support my channel, yeah. that seems a lot different than what we talked about at the top of the show, shilling, mm. you know, just getting out there and I'm just mm. trying to hawk my wares to mm. the world, mm -hmm. um, and. I think as you get more and more into the business side of it and you realize, hey, this is my profession, you're going to get people hating on you no matter what. Uh, you know, you start to care less. It's just like, fine, yeah. those people are going to be out there. At the end of the day, this is what's keeping my family fed and all that stuff. You're still in the starting phases. I mean, Andrew and I have both been there where it's like, I mean, yep. we didn't start making money for the first couple of years because every dollar was going right back in. Like, yeah. I, I wasn't full time with this until you know, uh, two years ago. So even though the company has been established for six years, hmm. it was a side hustle the same way that, you know, your channel started. I think that's how a lot of people get a start, especially in this space. Right. Um, we, we, we like the comfort and stability and, you know, of dipping our toe in and just kind of seeing what it feels like. Uh, it's, it sounds like you're doing it at a good sustainable pace but obviously you know you want to start seeing more return on that over time and you don't want to be typecast as the threaded insert guy i, I can appreciate that <laughs> uh so you know interesting challenges uh all around but you have a fantastic opportunity given that you've built a brand first and mm -hmm. i think most companies that get started do not have that luxury it is surprising mm -hmm. to me that more content creators do not do this i think we're seeing more of it now i don't know mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean see like i think of you know i agree i, mm -hmm. I think of lttstore.com like the, every time <laughs> you know it's like linus yep. tech tips and and it's like the merch you know plugs and stuff like that like <laughs> it's 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 the same phenomenon i don't know what it's like for professional athletes in germany but it's like very quickly uh the top tier professional athletes here realize you make way more money in um um, you know, endorsements and stuff like that and mm. product placement over time than you ever do getting paid for the sport itself. Yeah. And so that kind of applies here as well. A, a 40,000, uh, excuse me, a 400,000, I didn't mean to cut your, you know, subscriber following <laughs> is a lot Order of, magnitude of there. eyeballs. I mean, you, you can mm. very easily see that if you mention something on your channel mm. at any point, like it will absolutely 
there will people that just like Stefan talked about it. I'm going to buy it mm. right now. Like that. That's a mm-hmm. that's a lot yeah. of power that you have in yeah. marketing ability. Um, it it definitely is, and it it is especially interesting. So I started like putting a, a sponsor in front of every video or into every video for the last couple of months, and of course I get some revenue from from there, but. Um, now, since we are starting to sell our own products, um, I need to start thinking about, okay, maybe screw these, <laughs> uh, um, uh, sponsors on the channel and just put advertisement for our own product in front of every video. If that makes me more money, I'm, I'm actually happy to do that because I, then I don't need to shill for. I don't know, an audiobook company or something like that. And I could just market my own products. Sure. Um, the th- one of the problems is that the, my main viewer base is in the US. 40% of my viewers are there. And mm-hmm. serving the American market, especially now at the start, is kind of hard for us because, of course, we can ship to the US, but uh, there are shipping costs and for you guys, there might be import taxes and things like that. Shipping times are mm-hmm. are very long, so we need to mm-hmm. start thinking about how can we directly start selling in the U.S. market. Yeah, and this is also one of the reasons why why I'll be at Murph. No, um, <laughs> shilling in person. Uh, that's exciting. So. <laughs> no, not not not, <laughs> not shilling a person, but just looking for opportunities to to sell directly. To, to, to find resellers basically. Um, mm-hmm. So I was really happy that, that Joe Prusha reached out to me like almost a year ago and asked me, Hey, do you, do you want to sell your threaded inserts on, uh, on our website? And I said, yeah, great, super, <laughs> super great opportunity for us. Sure. But of course they do have better ways of, of shipping and they, but they are still shipping from the Czech Republic. So um, Mm -hmm. shipping times and and shipping rates are going to be way higher than in the US. And this is is the reason why for once I'm thinking about a German channel because then I can serve the the, the European market way better. Yeah. Or the German, Austrian and and Swiss market better. Um, And then also, of course, look for American resellers uh, to directly sell my products over over where you guys are and where my main like viewer base is because only this way it is really, yeah, was selling products. Yeah. Wolf, not worth. I, I, I suspect you're not going to have any problem finding interest uh, at Murph yeah. or, or beyond, my friend. Uh, <laughs> that people, you know, would love to tie their brand to yours. It is a, a you know, you've established a fantastic reputation, uh, doing quality content. Obviously, uh, that translates. Now, what, I I haven't used your threaded inserts, but my assumption of your brand, based on what I know of you, is you are going to have quality product, and that's a that's mm-hmm. a very powerful, you know, brand value that you've established uh, there. So I I have no doubt that you will be successful with that and any other product that you decide to layer on, and I think you're doing it at a reasonable pace, and I'm very excited for you. Obviously, the Prusa effect is huge, uh, being that we you know we sell 
Repbox, uh, I think, is one of the first outside uh, vendors mm-hmm. to actually be able to sell on the Prusa shop. Just seeing the impact that that has on the business and and uh, how appreciative I am of, of Joe offering the same opportunity to me because we would not be where we were were it not for that. And that opened up yeah. entire new market and exposure for us uh, in Europe in a way that I wouldn't have been able to do not nearly as quickly. Um, you learn really quick that, you know, given the, the finite amount of hours in your day, uh, the, the more opportunity that you have to, um, you know, put that off on somebody who else, who's already doing that well versus mm-hmm. establish your own distribution channels. You know, that's worth mm-hmm. giving the 30% of margin and, up to you. And, and that's or, what I was going to, I was going to ask is, is how you are actually, uh, so I know shipping over here to the United States is, is, you know, cumbersome and difficult. Like we have a fairly large market in Europe as well. And a lot of it is, is still unreachable, uh, to us. And so, uh, you know, as a, being a product company, uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into that fulfillment. Um, so how, how has that worked into your current lifestyle as a content creator? Do you, do you have a business partner that's helping you with this? I think you mentioned a little bit, or is this something you're doing yourself? Yeah. Like what's going on? No, I, I, it wouldn't be possible for me to do it myself. So I have a business partner mm-hmm. who's basically managing everything around the products. And we just like chat regularly on, on how to proceed, or I make new drawings for a product and things like that. But the amount of work I'm putting into that venture is quite low at the moment. The thing I'm putting into that venture is my brand and making sure that we do the quality control and we're finding the products that are that are worth making. And of course, I do have the network for finding resellers yeah. and, and, and doing all of the advertisement. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. No, and and like I said, I think that that's a that's a powerful. You have a fantastic one-two punch of 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 uh, uh, revenue streams in in both content and product now that that is mm-hmm. enviable mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, it's it's weird because I look at going the other way, where mm-hmm. I know that I need to do a much better job with my marketing and putting stuff out there. I get yeah. questions all the time about you know. How, how to, you know, how does your product work? How can you make it better? Like, mm. and, and yeah. it's not my expertise. Uh, and so yeah. it, it feels like a big thing for me mm. to try to figure, to get into that. But this is the problem that, that a product, a product, well, succeeds or fails. Unfortunately, depending on the marketing you put in into there, you, you, can have such a good product if you don't do any marketing nobody's gonna buy it and you're gonna fail if you have a horrible product but you Mm -hmm. do enough marketing you might still be able to succeed unfortunately um so so (laughs) for a product company as 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 you guys are i think it is important to seriously like figure out how much is enough that it helps me to like grow the brand and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but not so much that it takes all the time away from like making new products and, and, and things like that. Right. For me, for me, it is just, just a, a different revenue stream because I have to diversify myself. If like, for example, now I, I don't release a video for three or four week, weeks, my, my, YouTube revenue is going to be down in the basement. Uh, it, it's mm. going to be horrible. 
but I do have the advantage that we are still selling products that I still have my patrons that I still mm -hmm. do a bit of affiliate sales and things like that. And all those revenues at the end help me to sustain quite a, a constant income and uh, provide for my family. Sure. Well, and being diversified, like, you don't want to have, and, and this is important. Yeah. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a struggle that we deal with all the time. You know, it, yeah. like with us, we're, we're hyper-focused on adhesives and that's all we do. But, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to figure out how do we start layering on other, other elements that go along with this so that we can start having more than just one particular thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why we see, uh, you know, one of the strategies that people use and we've seen a lot of discussions about people, you know, merging you know, as a, as a means of diversifying without necessarily mm. having to front all that cost to, to create new verticals for yourself, you know? And so I think that that can be a powerful yeah. way, uh, to do stuff. If you, if you have that, you know, ability, like combining forces, like I really believe in the power of synergy. We have a fantastic community mm. here and there is no shortage of opportunity. Like that is very mm -hmm. clear. Uh, it's just a yeah. question of like, What's, what's the low hanging fruit? What do you pick to invest your time and energy in? I think you raise a really good point, Stefan, that, that investing in your brand cannot be understated in terms of a, 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 a marginal product can do incredibly well under a powerful brand and a powerful mm -hmm. product can do incredibly terribly under a non-existent brand. So, so it's, yeah. the, you know, it, that should tell you what that, that, that power is. Now that said, it's not easy to establish that reputation. You, it's taken you some time to get there, uh, via, uh, a different means. And obviously, you know, there were, there was a lot of time where you were not making money. It was still a side hustle for you to like build up your channel and your brand and stuff like, but now that can start to pay dividends and you can start to be picky and, and choose what you want to do. And, uh, so that's, that's the reward, right? Yeah, definitely is. Yeah. Um, man, th this is, uh, this is fantastic. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of you guys in the chat, I don't know, um, what you guys are thinking in terms of your strategy when you, cause I think when we get into it, we don't often take the time to step back and think about, well, what is my strategy here? Like, how mm -hmm. how will I? I always say, uh, even as as long as we've been in this business, like, I don't have a marketing problem. I have an awareness problem. Like, there are people every day mm -hmm. that say, like, I had never heard of you before. I saw your thing mm -hmm. on so and so's channel or on mm -hmm. this Reddit thread or whatever, and. And you realize like we get caught up in our little niche and we think that everybody kind of knows everybody, but there are so many people that are coming are new to this mm. one community. This is a niche within niches a lot of the times too. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to be able to get your signal out over all the noise, all the other people talking about all the awesome things they're doing is such a challenge uh, in this day and age. And that goes back to what you were saying. Like you really need to find what distinguishes you? What is your value beyond what anybody else is giving? And that is what will help drive and grow. And that's a, that's a hard thing for somebody to sit down and, and truly think about it. And sometimes it takes, you know, you're, you're going to try it. You said you started with kind of kitchen content and, and you don't really do the kitchen content <laughs> anymore. So to, you know, it takes some, uh, navigating the path to figure it out. Right. But, uh, 
we should all be so lucky to get where you are. And, and I can only imagine where you'll be in the next couple of years. It, that, that growth happens fast once you, once you hit that critical mass, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it definitely is. Uh, how are you feeling but, about it? Is it stress? Is it stressful to you still? Or like, are you feeling, do you see a path where it, it feels sustainable and growable and you're excited to hire? You're obviously in a new space. We haven't talked about that, but mm-hmm. that's a good sign of growth. Um, I think, I think it's more stressful than it used to be in the beginning because I'm more depending on like my company, my brand and, and everything just for like getting revenue and, and supporting my family. Um, of course when you're getting to the point where you see that it's more sustainable and you you can be picky and you don't need to do every brand deal, uh, where you get like tons of emails every day, this relaxes you also way more. You know that if that doesn't work out anymore, at some point you have made enough connections that you can get a job like, like anywhere. Yeah. But. I never wanted to be self-employed, especially since I have been working for 15 years in, hmm. in a big aerospace supplier company yeah. where you are like paid okay to well, but you get um, like healthcare is paid. All and, of the perks. And <laughs> everything. So, and when you are sick, you are sick for a week or four weeks. Nobody cares. You're, you're still getting, uh, you're getting paid. We have currently almost 60 days of holiday there um wow, wow. Paid holiday. the wrong <laughs> wrong country for for labor rights. Wrong country. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um i think it's... um so just leaving leaving that all behind is hard for me and i need to get to the point where i say okay it's worth putting all of the time in here and also the the um like the risk that you're having of being self-employed, of having your own company and, and being the, like the, the Smith of your own fortune. Uh, I don't know if that is a proper idiom. <laughs> it works. That works. Yeah. I, I know what you're getting at. It's funny. Cause I'm, I'm the opposite. It's weird to hear somebody say like, well, I kind of fell into being an entrepreneur. Yeah. I don't really mm-hmm. want to be. And cause there's people that are just, you know, killing for that to try to make it that way. Like mm-hmm. to me, yeah. I'm the opposite where it's like, if I have to go get a job and work for somebody else, mm-hmm. like that is the ultimate form of failure to me like i don't want i like controlling my own destiny but it stinks like we have moments where it's like i'm not i'm not paying myself because i'm trying i need enough money to pay for inventory or payroll or any of that stuff like but the but the the promise of i don't want to say infinite but but theoretically infinite upside as as compared to the security Mm -hmm. like yes your risk tolerance is higher but your Mm -hmm. potential to uh, you know, if you make it like the, the, where you can go with it. And I, I don't, I don't have dreams of being a billionaire or wealthy in that regard, but just, but, but feeling like I can actually get to financial security and an mm. earlier retirement age. And mm. I want to invest all of that energy and gray hair and stuff up front. So hopefully I can get there quicker um, which a lot of people would say, maybe that's backwards. Like by the time I get there, my body is not going to be able to do, you know, the same things that it can do now. Like I'm not going to be able to go climb mountains in the same way. I don't know. You know, it's, 
It, nobody knows the answers for yeah. that, for sure. But. I, I understand. I, I think it's a very German thing, and especially Southern German, where um, there is, of course, a, a ton of entrepreneurship, but being employed in a big company is is worth so much. And I know so many friends and family have been working for 40, 45, 50 years wow. at the same company just because... It was secure. We don't change our jobs very often because we like the just like you're having having a secure income and, and things uh -huh. like that. I think that's that that's quite a bit different to sure. uh, yeah to the US. Yeah, it's it's certainly different to us, uh, at least to me. <laughs> so I wouldn't you, have it any other way. <laughs> you still have your your full time job, so you're doing all of this on top of your full-time job still and it, it, are you is that right so no i don't i don't still have a full-time job i'm still working like two days a week at at my oh. my like at my normal company okay or at my normal job uh but purely for the reason it, it doesn't really make sense in like for the money but i the job that i have there in metal additive manufacturing research is so interesting i really love my colleagues there yeah it really helps me to stay sane if at least like two days in a week i work together with other like-minded people than sure. just working for yourself mm -hmm. and i think for me as as being german and southern german it, it helps me to 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 retain the possibility to get back to a normal job quite easily if if that youtube thing doesn't work out yeah 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 it well, gives me peace of mind let me ask you this though do you feel like at some point and i, I guarantee you you're gonna get there i just know it uh you, you're gonna have to decide because you can't necessarily do it with one foot in and one foot out as we yep. like to say <laughs> Yeah, I guess that point will come sooner than than I really want. I I maybe should have done that already for a while because it stresses me out having like working more or less yeah two jobs. Um, sure. But as I said, it's it's hard for me to make that decision, and it it would really pain me to say okay. I'm not doing that anymore because the work is interesting. I really love my colleagues and um, also like telling my family, I have just a, a German that, that says, okay, I've been working at a company for 10, 15, 20 years and I quit my job to do something on, um, on, on my own <laughs> is something very unusual. Sure. Wow. They say, what's wrong with that guy, huh? Yeah. That's, yeah. So, that's wrong with it's so guy. crazy to hear because here, like in the US, that's that's oftentimes celebrated. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's <sighs> crazy. Maybe not, maybe not appropriately always, too. It's interesting because I think sure. I, I've warmed up only more recently to the idea that a YouTuber is an actual profession. But for <laughs> and it very much is. But I'm I'm with you. Like, I think I have that, that old school mentality uh, uh, to hear that people you know, like just don't, don't think of it as highly, uh, even though there's a ton, obviously you can make a lot of money being a successful YouTuber. Um, but, uh, you know, you can also make a lot of money as a pro sports, but like to be at the top levels where you're actually doing that is a completely different thing. And, and it can probably, we've talked about this before. You're reliant on a third party system here. They can take it away 
theoretically uh, at, at any point. Now, I don't mm-hmm. think that's a, a true danger, but obviously we, they, they talk about the changes to the algorithm, your dependence on your livelihood and how many people mm-hmm. feel like they've been completely screwed by YouTube because mm-hmm. they just changed the way that they were uh, yeah. doing payouts. And f- does that, so, you know, you must have some concerns about that and wanting to hedge your bets or have uh, diversification as a result of yeah. that as well. Well, well, th- that is the reason for diversification. If I would only be relying on the YouTube ad revenue, it it, it would be horrible. For example, right now, I don't know, YouTube changed something in the algorithm. Um, but currently, like my ad revenue is half of a third or a third um, as it was last year wow. in November. Um, oh, wow. And if you're only depending t- depending on the on the ad revenue, that would be a really hard cut. Oh, wow. Yeah, then no, that's significant. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I've heard other people talking yeah. about it. And this this seems to happen cyclically with, yeah. I, I don't know, uh, obviously there's more and more people, yeah. it seems like every day on the platform trying to make it and that dilutes it for dilutes it for everyone. Um, mm. So that, that can't help. But uh, I can appreciate that, that that must feel like a challenge and, and something that, that mm. prevents that security. So I applaud you for, you know, having the presence of mind to do, do the diversification. Uh, and I think it's good that yeah. you're maintaining, I, honestly, Stefan, I, I'd say, um, there's, it's very smart to maintain those contacts. If no other reason that you, you feel like you're on an island when you strike out on your own and in a lot of ways you are. Mm-hmm. And so having those contacts, having those conversations, having different parts of your brain activated, uh, is very valuable mm. in, in a lot of regards. So I, I hope that you're able to continue doing that in some way. It definitely is the the thing that I started enjoying since since the point when when I knew that YouTube would be self sustainable is that I stopped giving a shit what like my supervisor said or I don't know because <laughs> I can always tell him okay I'm here I don't need you man <laughs> I'm, I'm here for the fun and if you don't need me anymore fire me <laughs> i don't know yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this makes things at work easier for me um because yeah you don't you don't need to do everything that you're always asked for um <laughs> your stock rises when your dance card fills up man i mean it's that's what it is it's it's the more in demand you are i mean yeah. it's I, don't, I mean i know it feels crappy but that's the way that life life is yeah. and so yeah I, I don't if you don't need it I, I, we should all be aspiring toward getting to a place where you're in the demand you're in that level of demand uh but yeah. obviously that takes a lot of work that's not an easy thing to do um we got to wrap up because we're delaying your pizza time yeah. and i i mm-hmm. would never want to take away from family pizza night for sure can you take one so more the, the babies are oh go ahead I can take as many questions. Well, no, as no. many questions as my battery still lasts. <laughs> All right. We're on the battery clock. Uh, just a quick one from uh, Chris in the chat. Uh, and I think it's a great one to wrap up with because I love talking about this just in our industry in general. Where do you see the industry headed? What innovations right now are you excited about? doesn't have to be 3D printing alone, but let's talk about maker, creator, any of those things. What gets you excited Ooh, what gets me excited? I know there's stuff. I know you're excited. You're working on something right now I, that you're excited about, I'm sure. I, I, I'm working on a lot of stuff that's exciting. I'm, I am excited about that, that 
that technology is, is getting way more affordable and approachable. Um, I'm, I, I wish I had all the like Arduino stuff and 3D printing community and things like that when I was still young. Oh man, me and too. this is getting way more easier. And yeah, and this is one of the things I'm really ex excited about because I'm. I, I love teaching. I love it when I see like young people being really happy and 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 like are excited about technology and and the, the things they they can do nowadays. So this is definitely something. Well, if you're talking about three D printing, of course, it goes in the direction of more consumer friendly. Maybe in the future having really like the opportunity to print your spare parts and things like that and sure um mm -hmm. just just using that technology to really help you in your everyday life and not just printing out the 100th banshee boat or something like that yeah <laughs> what about you andrew what are you excited about uh what's there not to be excited about yeah right? that's such a non-answer <laughs> no i mean i i'm i'm really excited for um i i think i think the 3d printing industry is really going through uh a material science kind of phase where we're seeing a lot more advanced polymers and materials oh, yeah. uh, coming out trickling down from kind of the, the top end industry um you know, uh, metal 3D printing is is becoming more affordable, a lot more common. We were just at Rapid, right? And we saw a ton of oh, advances in metal 3D printing. So much stuff there. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, with with new materials coming out, this is getting to be easier and, and more affordable. Uh, it, it's going to be a manufacturing revolution at, at some point. It, it already is, but it's going to be more so in the future. Well, not just materials, so, but processes. Like, we're seeing these mm -hmm. new processes, the cold fusion additive, the uh, ultrasonics, yep. the, like, just these really new creative ways to kind of add on um, the, the tunneling. What was it? The electron uh, beam forming stuff mm -hmm. i mean yeah mind-blowing what you would thought was science fiction stuff uh and and mm -hmm. then just seeing how that comes down for me i get more excited about like a lot of the support systems the automation systems the vision uh systems that really enable uh the taking the production and getting it to final shippable product or more final product than some people are you know currently willing to like we see a lot of stuff in multi-jet fusion now because it just, it presents as a, just a much more um, uh, polished part that people are willing to accept mm -hmm. uh, a, a, instead of, you know, what we know as traditional FDM type prints. It just puts you at yeah. a whole nother level. Um, and mm -hmm. then, and then seeing metal and stuff like that become more affordable centering options, uh, um, multicolor, some of the stuff Stratasys was showing off with their, their, um, I don't remember their specific terminology. Object for lines, the ob the yeah. object lines, and stuff like Polyjets. that. Polyjets with mm -hmm. with both material and color, and all. I mean, just the future is bright for sure. It's a fantastic industry to be in. We're lucky to have people like Stefan that that can dive into the nuts and bolts and really break it down in a way that makes it understandable and accessible to our um, our community. And even though uh, I talked to Joel about this a lot, even though a lot of people complain that those are high end multi-million dollar industrial machines. Why should I care about this? Because what you, what we're missing a lot of times is like 
the the future of the workforce that's coming up, like a lot of their exposure to this starts now. And yes, maybe they're learning FDM and simpler stuff, but you're getting them uh, the the good baseline to get them into the future, uh, you know, tech uh, that, that's out there. So I, I mean, I just think it's fantastic. But um, that's a that's a bit of a digression. Uh, there's lots to be excited <laughs> about. And Stefan. Thank you. We've taken up more than enough of your time. I really appreciate you sharing your experience. Um, we'll have to have you back at some point to follow up on how, you know, the product sales is doing. I, I don't doubt that we're going to see your stuff in the U.S. here very shortly. Um, I, I, I know that you're going to have some great networking opportunities at Murph, but I hope you also come and just enjoy the show and uh, I will. come hang out with us a bit in the booth. Uh, Midwest Rep Rap Festival plug, guys, coming up, uh, mm -hmm. what is it, June 24th? Through the 20, 24, 25, 26th or something. Yeah. Oh, I'll be there 20, 20, <laughs> 24th to 26, yep. I guess. Yeah. 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 So it should be a good time. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Yeah. Or live show or the however discussion. you're calling it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a pleasure. The discussion. Yeah. Yeah. And enjoy your evening. Very best to you. And I look forward to seeing you really soon, man. Uh, take care. Yeah. And uh, for everybody in the chat, thank you so much for your questions. Uh, we'll, we'll catch you. Um, not next week, uh, probably two weeks at this point, but we'll, we'll obviously put that out there. Uh, we had a fantastic time. Like I said, it's great seeing you guys and I wish everybody the best of weekends. Keep on making everybody till next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>